Hey guys, it's Tommy. Just wanted to let you know that before we get into today's episode, this was recorded before the Garrett Cole signing. And I mean, just before. Like, I'm talking, we finished recording, we hit stop, we talked for a few minutes, uh, I played a game of PS4, and then got an alert that Garrett Cole signed. So, because Seven was sick, and Ed went to bed, and Matt's got a one-year-old and went to bed, and I'm, you know, weird and stayed up, we decided not to dive into it. Um, and just leave the episode as is. Hope you guys don't mind. We'll catch you guys next week. But for now, here's this week's Gap to Gap. Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Three, two. That was drilled deep to left field. Going back, choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. A swing and a drive to deep right. Away back. Goal. Jason Giambi has done it. All right, welcome in. This is the Rod Carew episode, episode number 29. Honorable mention, John Smoltz. Also mention, Rafael, not Rafael Soriano, Alfonso Soriano, is that what we said? No, no, no. We said Rafael Soriano, but then we backtracked and said Octavio Dotel. But now I'm backtracking again, and I'm going to say Giovanni Urshela, uh, my distant triplet. All right. So, <laughs> uh, with that, hey, you know what? You guys would... uh. After after the talk uh, last episode about stadiums, uh, I got the itch, and so uh, hey neighbor, have a Gansett. Ooh, yeah, I love it. Saw that. Saw the picture you sent. That was uh, yeah. That was a nice little surprise there. I was at a beer tasting on uh, what was that Saturday, and uh, they I, I walked up and literally just saw the white can, and I was like, "Yep, it's about that time." Yeah, hey neighbor. Hey neighbor, have a Gansett. Um, yep. <laughs> All right, episode 29, this is Gap to Gap. I'm Tommy Caricelli. He's Real 7 Costanza. Matty P, as always, is with us. Uh, gentlemen, how are we doing? It's been a busy week in baseball. Um, me and Seven fighting off illness. Seven, it's a flu game. How are we doing, bud? Yeah, I feel like Jordan right now coming back in the fourth. Um, I'm just going to give you my best jumper, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, probably going to have to put the team on your back, Matty P, because Tommy and I have been hit with a Mack truck of illness. Um, but that's not to say that we won't contribute at all, because we love you and we love the show, and the, this train keeps going. Man, I'm always here for you guys if you ever need anything. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with 80-degree weather. I know you guys are battling the, the conditions up oh, now. shut so, up. Shut up. You know. If you really mean that, go... If you really mean that, go make me some chicken soup, please. Yeah, please. <laughs> what is it, oh, the weather? Oh, funny story about chicken soup. Yeah, so chicken soup. I went to get chicken soup tonight out of work. I went to a place very obscure. They didn't have any chicken soup. No chicken soup, no like beef and barley. They had something called Thai coconut stew, but they didn't have fucking chicken soup. Would not so, trust that place at all. No, ended up getting the minestrone. Um, so there's that because... Why not shit your pants while you're recording a podcast? So we're gonna we're gonna go with that and see how that plays out. But yeah, no chicken soup. Can you believe that shit? That's wild. 
Uh, so yeah, so obviously, I, the, <laughs> me and Seven dealing with it. Maddie P, again, man, thoughts and prayers. You having to deal with eighty degree weather? That's got to be tough. I mean, guys, come on now. You both have the option to relocate if you're not happy where you're at. <laughs> I mean, let's let's oh. be real here. I mean, that's you know, shit. It's a big world out there. Yeah, but it's it's way too much fun to make this joke every week. <laughs> I hear you. I Hold hear on, you. I'm I'm on Zillow right now. Let's see what I can get. <laughs> My goal is to do a podcast from the pool before spring training. Oh, oh don't yeah. you? Oh, we might we might have words. We <laughs> <laughs> those are fighting words, Matt. If 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 me and Seven, especially if before spring training, so the snow will have hit us both pretty hard. Oh yeah, and and we're knee deep in in the white powder that doesn't belong to bobby and whitney and <laughs> nice you're i hear fucking little timmy doing a fucking cannonball <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling no, you you know what I, I i envision him at like one of those like very stereotypical florida hotel poolside bars like a little tiki fort and he'll have his stupid tiki drink and he'll have his stupid shades on and he'll have his stupid 80 degree weather and you and i will be just roughing it up in the north and probably have the flu again at that time and just my my drink will be frozen with an umbrella in it what is your frozen drink of point of choice um shit if we're talking tropical weather i'm probably gonna go with a margarita okay i'm more of a pina colada guy i won't put i won't turn that down either I do, as a matter of... Actually, no, I don't. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's, no one likes that. That's how does, you get I was like, does, does anybody get caught in the rain? That's a re, that's the I, real I, question here. I'd rather get caught in, the rain. caught in the rain. Does anybody like getting caught in the rain? That was a really dumb question. People get caught in the rain all the time. Does anybody yes. like it? Bear grills. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than getting caught in the rain. Because then he can be like, that's oh. true. Debatable. Well, like that too, Debatable. Though, because... I think I think you could make it make the argument that getting caught in the snow is better than getting caught in the rain. See, when you get caught in the snow, it's like a magical moment because the flakes are falling and you can take an Insta, no filter, and when it hits the light off the lamppost. Shut oh. the fuck up, Elsa. Yeah, if, that, if, that's your, if that's your thing, if that's your thing, you know, God bless you. It is not my thing. All right, this um, is a baseball podcast. Let's recenter here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was talking weather. Um, now, it's meet the Mets time. Meet the Mets, meet the Mets, step right up and greet the Mets, bring your kiddies, bring your wife, guaranteed to have the time of your life, because the Mets are really sucking the ball, knocking those home runs over the wall, east side, west side, everybody's coming down to meet the And maybe the best meet the Mets of all time. The Wilpons. For the Mets. For the Mets. For the Mets. Yeah. Or or just for Mets memes in general. True. The Wilpons have sold the team. Pending. Pending. The Wilpons are selling the team. Are there contingencies? Uh, Why would it be pending? Because it hasn't like officially gone through yet. You see the way my bank account set up. I got the checking and the savings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to transfer some funds. 
Exactly. Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, like, the way the so, way this plays out, I feel like they have to go pick the fucking checkup from a Western Union because it's the Mets. So, we'll see. But I believe it will go through. <laughs> I just love that you when you Google Wilpons sell Mets, uh, the second art- article you see is titled, Smell You Later, Wilpons. <laughs> What was it? They're gonna sell eighty percent of it of the team. I thought it was a uh, sixty-five, and I could be wrong about that number. Excuse um, me. Oh no, it is. It is eighty percent. It is eighty. Fred Wilpon reporting, reportedly in talks to sell eighty percent of the Mets to Steve Cohen. Uh, Cohen, if memory serves, isn't allowed to trade on Wall Street from like illegal trade deals. Oh, I did not know that. Um, that very well could be true, though, because I know the Wilpons have very close ties to Bernie Madoff, and that's actually part of the reason why the Wilpons dug themselves such a hole with some of those bad contracts. So, wow. yeah, I would probably, I would honestly not throw that past them because Cohen is still involved with Sterling Partners, which is the Wilpons company. So, yeah, well, I'll probably go ahead and say he's probably not allowed to trade on Wall Street. Cohen. If they sell 80 percent of the team, correctly. is it safe to say they don't make any more decisions? They're just yeah, they wouldn't be they they'd be minority owners, so they could right. they could still invest in the team, but Cohen would be the one that would essentially you know he would inject the cash flow into the payroll. So He'd make the final that's why final I, decision at the end of the day, right? Yeah, so Fred essentially. Wilp- Fred Wilpon will still serve as the team's chairman. Jeff Wilpon will continue as the chief operating officer and will remain as that in that job for five years. Cohen is CEO and president of Point72 Asset Management. He'll continue in those roles. And uh, to, to the point that I was trying to make, uh, he has pled guilty to insider trading charges and paid a $1.8 billion <laughs> fine while at SAC Capital Investors. <clears throat> Say that again? 1.8 what? Million? Or billion? B- billion. Billion Holy with a B. Holy shit. But that's Holy just a drop shit. in the bucket of his $13.6 billion net worth. Whew. Those those, are acor- those numbers illegal. are according to him. Forbes, by the way. What's that? Oh, okay. I said mostly illegal money. That he got in trouble for, paid a fine and walked away. Is that is that from accurate? my understanding? He okay. So Cohen was banned from from managing money for two years after the firm's guilty plea. Was able to return to managing money, managing outside money in 2018 under a settlement, uh, and had had been facing a <laughs> lifetime ban before that settlement was reached. So. Wow. <laughs> That was talking <laughs> politics. So we've talked weather. We've talked wow. politics. Uh, moving right, on. Uh, it, it was good for him. It was a bit. It was, actually, let, let's let's refocus. Does this mean anything to you guys that the Wilpons yes. sold the team? Yeah, it's it's a huge deal. Um, not to me personally. Maybe Matt because he's such a huge Mets fan. But Die from hard. the outside looking in, yeah, absolutely. Um, from the outside looking in, this is huge because the Wilpons historically have just not been good owners the Mets have been a mediocre team for the last however long I can remember even when they had that small run in them it it never felt like they were actually contenders and and maybe I'm wrong for saying that but I just never truly believed in them and I think a lot of it comes down to the way they were owned 
not just managed because the Wilpons never really went after the big contracts. They gave bad contracts, but they never made good signings. Um, but it was also because they never really put up the money that it took to do it. I think the Cohen, the, the whole move with Cohen is actually going to bring the Mets into more relevance now because they can actually compete in the New York market with the Yankees because Cohen is worth so much fucking money. $13.6 billion. I mean, all you have to do is just infuse some of his cash into this payroll and the Mets all of a sudden become a desirable location because you can pay free agents for. So I don't know if by the time this is all said and done, like Brody's even going to be the GM by the time that Cohen's like fully in, in place. And, and that's unfortunate for Brody because I know that he would love nothing more than to just throw money around like Ari Gold. But I, I think that Cohen being in charge gives the Mets a lot more flexibility financially, which in the end, and especially in a market like New York, gives you a lot of power, especially when it comes to free agency. So, yeah, I, this is a huge move for them. It's a, it's a huge question. move. It's a huge – sorry, dude. Um, it's a huge it. move. A lot of people who are diehard Mets fans, a lot of my relatives yeah. and, and some of my friends who are big Mets fans, always – every year after year, they're blaming the Wilpons, blaming the Wilpons, blaming the Wilpons. But, yes, it's big, but my question is – to seven if you bring someone in who's going to spend 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 when's the last time a team bought a championship it's it's kind of been proven that that's not the way to go nowadays right in the 90s and in 2009 the yankees did all that all right so it's it, been it a does while. happen it, it it's happens been 10 years but i wouldn't say let's bring someone in and just start throwing money at free agents um but you're right it does yeah. give them more flexibility more more money, I guess, to bring in a variety of, of free agents rather than, you know, one or two three hundred million dollar contract players. Um, right, but I even the you. free agency aside, it's it's also this helps them with trades too because they can start taking on and you know eating salary from bad contracts that they own. So it helps them move up trade markets. The right. other thing is it also helps them with signing draft picks. They can just throw money around now like it's no one's business. If they, and, and not to say like it's gonna be like a video game where you can turn budgets off, but they can start just throwing the bag at people and hoping that it works. And right. we've seen it happen with Philadelphia the last couple of years with you know their, their quote, quote, dream team with uh, all the free agency shit they did last year and continuing to do this year. We'll get into that later, but you've seen teams approach it that way and I, and I agree with you, Matt. I don't think it's an instant success barometer, but I also believe that if you have money to spend it, it can't hurt. So right. I think it all comes down to who's managing the operations. And in this case right now, it's Brody, and I don't know if Brody's the answer. So we'll see what happens. But I think Cohen definitely gives the Mets a little bit more of a value uh, to the free agent market and to everything in between. My question is, though, um, with the Wilpon still retaining a leadership role – as as Fred Wilpon being the chairman, Jeff Wilpon the COO, is Cohen really going to have that much sway? You think? Not for the first couple of years, and I, and I think it's still, I believe it's twenty twenty five is when everything starts to really take effect with Cohen running the show. But I, I don't think it's going to be an immediate thing. And I, I just wrote an article on it too, just kind of outlining the, I guess the uh, the 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 way it's going to play out, um, so to speak, in terms of how everything's going to come together. Because, yes, right now the Wilpons are still technically majority owners, um, but those titles, in my opinion, are 
more just window dressing than anything. I don't think the well ponds are going to be super involved moving forward after that because then they revert back to minority owners anyway. So they'll be in the same position Cohen's in now where he has a stake in the team and he wants to see it successful, but he has final say on how it goes down. Yeah, that's true, I guess. I, I think that's that's pretty interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see how just how the Mets end up and how the, the, the public views uh, the Cohen ownership moving forward. All right, big news in baseball this week, moving past the Mets. Uh, let's start with with some of the more minor news. MLB draft going uh, from New Jersey to Omaha. What are our thoughts on that? I love this move. I love it, too. This is fucking awesome. Omaha is just like the home of baseball. And it's perfect because it's where the College World Series is played, so they yep. might as well just make the next step from there to the MLB, or I guess the minors, uh, right from Omaha. So I think it's awesome. I agree. I think it's awesome, too. Uh, probably overdue, but what better year to start it than 2020? So I'm okay with it. I like it. Yeah. Um, you guys you guys want to go to Omaha? Because I really want to go to Omaha. I would love to go to Omaha. I'm I would down. love to go to Omaha and watch College World Series. Gap to Gap live from the College World Series? Question mark? Question mark? Uh, I don't know. Exclamation point? Uh, at El Jefe? Question mark? <laughs> What? Jordan, you listening? It's a tax write-off, Jordan. It's a tax write-off. <laughs> good point. Good point. Uh, okay, more MLB news moving past that quickly. Uh, I think we're all just in agreement. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, minor League Baseball. Legalizing weed, quote-unquote. Um, MLB already doesn't test for it, um, but according to Ken Rosenthal, as a part of a new order, Wow. As part of a new agreement on opioids being negotiated between Major League Baseball and the Players Union, MLB will remove marijuana from the list of banned substances for minor leaguers. Sources tell The Athletic, major leaguers have already been, have not been subject to testing for marijuana. So uh, kind of opening the door to reducing the probability of addiction to opioids in minor leaguers and then down the line major leaguers am i kind of understanding this move right yeah that's how i interpreted it i think it's honestly a smart move um especially and i wish they would do this with different sports that's not you know baseball i i kind of get it it's such a long season and there's definitely pain management um but i think this is just a smart way to because let's be real, right? When's the last time someone died from a fucking weed overdose? It's never happened. So if we can enforce rules to make it safer and, and let players kind of heal and rehab on their own, uh, I think this is fine. It's not like there's any bad effects from it in terms of just, you know, rehab and, and, and I guess just, you know, basic function within the season. There's no issue. Uh, I would love to see this happen in like the NFL where, you know, it's, there's contact and it's pain management and shit like that. But for baseball to do this, I think it's a huge step and it does help in, in the long run, uh, especially after the Skaggs incident uh, from this year. Uh, who knows? I, I mean, maybe he did opioids. I don't know. I don't know the story, but if, if they did legal, find opioids in his system. Yeah. And, and uh, who knows? And, I, I'm, I'm sure he was smoking weed too, but if, if, if weed was deemed, you know, legal and approved by the MLB, I don't know if he goes to that and, Who's to say, but this is a good stepping stone to make sure that the, it doesn't happen again. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I probably am. Wasn't there another opioid death in Major League Baseball this year? 
Oh shit. You not might be right. That I know of. You might be right, but not uh, doesn't ring a bell. I, I feel like you are right, Tommy. I just don't know who the player was. And it, and it would, could have been a minor league player. I feel like it was weeks after. Here's my thing though, dude. Medical marijuana, medical marijuana is legal in 33 states and Washington DC, and then recreational marijuana is legal in 11 states and DC. So more than half the states approve of medical marijuana. What the fuck took baseball so long to to say okay? I mean, this is you know, it took it took a death of one of their players from opioids to say, okay, well, you know what? Maybe we should let them smoke marijuana for medicinal purposes instead of using opioids. I mean, people have known opioids were a problem for how many years now? Um, it's personally affected me from some friends that I grew up with, and marijuana has never had that, uh, you know, that severe of, of, of an issue. So I don't know. I think it's long overdue. I, I don't know what took them so long, to be honest. I feel like... And this is sad that in today's day and age, we're saying it like this. But I feel like if if you haven't had someone around you have their life significantly altered by the use of opioids or other hard drugs or addiction causing drugs, you are extremely lucky. Unfortunately, yeah, I would agree with that right. right. And, and like, especially being like, I, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but the Cleveland, Ohio area has one of the biggest uh, heroin uh, epidemics in in the country. It's and a problem so, like, in North I, Boston, too, dude. Is it? Yeah, Cape Cod is really bad, too. There's an HBO documentary on it. Really? But, yeah. Yeah, but like, but see, like, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me, just, like, between opioids, harder drugs like heroin, just how uh, prevalent, addiction is in our society and like to, to your point maddie you know nobody none of these lives that have kind of been tragic that have been tragically taken from us or or tragically affected it, it very very rarely if any has to do with marijuana but painkillers and other drugs of that type are so so prevalent so yeah, this is a break from our usual kind of jokey, but it's. But I think this is the right move by MLB for so many reasons. Absolutely. It, it's long overdue, to be honest. Um, and, you know, not to say, oh, it's an, it's an alternative to, you know, no. It's Look, it, it's legal in more than half the states, and scientifically it's been proven to have medicinal benefits, uh, especially for People, you know, these people playing 162 games um, every year and then playoffs. I mean, half the year you're out there, your body gets crushed. I mean, you need an alternative. Um, and yeah. I think this is a huge step in the right direction. Yeah, not only that, too. It's just like the mental aspect of it, too, right? We don't know a lot of these players go through, whether it's like anxiety, depression. What, right. They're away from their families for so long. Uh, Zach Greinke is a perfect example, and again, I don't know if he smokes weed regularly, but he's someone that has come out and said, like, publicly, I have really bad anxiety, um, and, you know, thank God nothing bad has happened to him, but 
who's to say with Skaggs, it wasn't something deeper than just pain management. It could have been something to do with his mental state as well. So, right. yeah, I mean, I, I think this is one of those things where it's tough to sweep under the rug and you have to look at alternatives. And when there's one staring you right in the face with, you know, a high percentage of the country, not baseball included, is doing is is marijuana to, to help with certain things, it, then, yeah, it's you you let it happen and you, you, you police it the way you see fit. But if players want to do it, to if they feel they need it, then I'm all for it because, to your point, it's – We've never seen bad effects in terms of life and death come from marijuana. So why not give that a shot and see how this plays out? I guarantee you that no one's going to overdose from marijuana. So it's, it's just one of those things that it should have happened sooner, and it, and it did take a very tragic thing for this to move the needle. But, yeah, it's, it's a good thing that this is happening now at least. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Me too. All right, uh, mo- moving off of, of that very, very serious subject – to a little more fun one, the first ever all MLB teams are have were announced this week. I think it was actually uh, today, the day of recording. Uh, what did you guys think of uh, the all MLB teams? And it, I can run through the rosters if you guys really want me to. Otherwise, you can just go look it up um, if you're listening. But to me, I, I think they got it right. I don't see any giant snubs on here. Do you guys? Are we looking at just 2019 or like... This is the first ever. This is first ever. So yeah, it was just 2019. Uh, First ever all MLB team. It was 50% fan vote, 50% panel decision. Uh, There were two teams announced. First team uh, headlined by Pete Alonzo, Mike Trout, Cody Bellinger, Kristen Yelich, Verlander, DeGrom, Scherzer, Strasburg, just to name a few of the bigger names on there. Second team, Altuve, Bregman... Uh, Mookie Betts, Zach Greinke, Ryu, uh, Chapman, or all this Chapman was on there. Zach Greinke was on there. Um, I think I think they got it right. What do you guys think? So the only position that I have an issue with is first base. I feel like Freddie Freeman should have been ahead of Pete Alonso, and maybe that's just me speaking to Freeman's experience. I just I, it's just weird seeing a rookie in the first team. I don't know if that's if you guys agree, but. For me, I I would have put Freeman ahead of Alonzo on the first team, but I guess Alonzo had a pretty amazing year. I mean, I know he did, but still, it's just kind of like I, I feel like he still has to prove something to me to be put on the first team for that. Um, that's fair. I can uh, get that. Yeah, that's that's fair. I uh, wouldn't say I would. You know, I wouldn't say don't put a rookie on there, um, because the only position I see that I might switch is DH. I don't know about Nelson Cruz, but I would like to see Jordan Alvarez in that position. Uh, arguably, of course, but that's the only one I see that I would I would probably make he, he was, switch. Alvarez was second team, but Alvarez was second team, but yeah, I can see I can see both those arguments. Uh, seven to your point, Pete Alonso did have a higher WAR than Freddie Freeman. Um, yeah, no, that's true. It's. I think I, I don't know if it's like the baseball purist in me. I just feel like a rookie needs to show me more than one year. That's fair. Um, but, but if this is if this is just based on one year, that's true. That's that's very true. So I can understand both arguments. Uh, one one that surprised me: no Cattell Marte. Yeah, like well, what position would you put him at though? Second or center? <sighs> mm, see, I think you'd have to go center. 
and maybe you put him above Juan Soto. Ooh, ooh, I don't know about that though. Who do you, who would you mm. kick out here? Who would you kick out? Because your your six outfielders between first and second team are Trout, Bellinger, Yelich, Acuna, Soto, Betts. Who would you kick out? You're the one who wants Marte in there. I said Soto because I think I think Soto's had had a better postseason than an entire uh, as a whole. But actually, okay, that's I'm fair. walking this take back. I'm walking no, this back. He had, he had 34 bombs, hit 282. <laughs> Let me look so at he's a tough. fucking monster. No, Let but it's fair. To... Actually, I take it. I, I know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm staying with that because Marte hit, had 32 bombs and hit 329. So I'm sticking on that take. Okay, that's not, that's that's fair. But I think to your point with the postseason, because it affects the starting pitchers in the first team as well. I love Strasburg, but I think a lot of that is biased based on what he did in the postseason. Because yeah, not I just to say agree he, with that. I, I think it's the same thing because I, I think Strasburg had a great year in the, in the regular season. I'm not taking anything away from him. Uh, the highest paid pitcher in MLB history right now until, you know, like later this week. But I think Strasburg being on this list for the first team isn't fair for the same reason Soto being on this list. Because Which one I agree is with wrestling you. your, your CPU? That would be Matt. That was definitely Matt. Did you win? No, I was pulling a beer out of my cooler. Ah, did you win? Was there a crack Definitely in one. cooler? <laughs> <laughs> no, I had my laptop on the kitchen table, and I was trying to, re- I was trying to reach for the refrigerator and pull a beer out. <laughs> and I had my headphones you know on, which are plugged into the computer. There's a, there's a that lot going on over here right now, all right? That, that was like that Coors Light commercial when the guy just <laughs> sticks his hand under the glacier to grab the fucking beer, and it's like from the bar. Like that, that's how that played out for me. Good Jesus. thing we're oh, good thing we're, good thing there's no video because that would you guys would have just fucking cried laughing at what I would I just attempted. It was like <laughs> uh, I'm impressed with myself. I don't know how I did it. But Low dude, key, I've back been to baseball. About adding a video component. Um, <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> to your point though, but, you on. said 50 percent just... of the vote was fans, right? For the all yes. for the first or for both teams, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah, and I, that that's why Juan Soto went above Keitel Marte. Ooh. Yeah, um, and then on, t- on top of that, um, just uh, to, to to your point, seven, um, he was listed as an outfielder because he played the most innings in the outfield this this season compared okay, to yeah, second and short. That's fair. So it's not like fantasy rules where they just need like ten starts and you can designate them wherever. Yes, exactly. Okay. That's fair, but yeah, if if the fan, so that's the problem though. The fan and the fans vote fucks, and we talked about this earlier this year, Tommy. The fans fuck up every vote because they go for we the have names. short. Yeah, we got short term memories. We remember the fucking World Series, and we want to put Strasburg and Soto on on those teams right away. Um, but yeah, I, I I agree. Kettle Marte is, it had a better year than Soto in the regular season. And not every player has the advantage of being able to play in the postseason. So we as fans Agreed. tend to forget about everything that happened throughout the course of four months prior to that. So, right. yeah, I, I think there's a double-edged sword in the way that these teams are constructed. But then again, who am I to say that they didn't get anything right? Because there, there are a lot of names here that I agree with. You can make a um, case for Marte, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think you can make a case for Marte. And... 
I don't know. I think the gap between him and Soto isn't that wide that it's that it's a travesty that, that Marte got left off here. Because, um, like, I mean, you even heard me. I was the one that said Marte. And then I looked at the number and was like, oh, I don't know, Jim. And then it was just... It, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like, you get what I'm saying, though. I, I understand it. But the other part of it is, like, who are you going to leave off? Like, Mike Trout, Cody Ballinger, Christian Yelich, uh, Soto in his own right deserves it, I guess. Acuna is a monster. Mookie Betts had a down year by his standards, but still, you know, upper echelon superstar player. So it's not like you can make that claim to say that you can mix and match any of these guys. Aside from maybe shortstop, in my opinion, but again, that's they're still pretty good players, so. Uh, you could make the argument that Lindor got left off here too, but that's the argument I was about to make. Not on he, the first team, but geez. definitely on the second team. He started very slow though, so I and, and missed some games with injury, so I'm not gonna bang the table too hard for it. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, a lot of signings here over the last three days. Uh, we got Strasburg getting breaded up seven years, two forty-five mil. Uh, Wheeler stays with the Phillies. Kevin Gossman going to the Giants. DD to the to the Phillies as well. And Cole Hamels, Cole Hamels in the ATL at one year and uh, eighteen million dollars. What do we think about some of the signings? Which of these? Uh, by the way, Wheeler was five years, one hundred eighteen million. I didn't mention that when I was reading it off, but. Uh, which of these signings jumps off the table or jumps off the page most to you guys? And I'll start with you, Matty P. Um, for me, I think it's it's Strasburg, and the reason is because here's the thing, man. The Nationals came out of nowhere and and won the World Series, right? And their two biggest players hit the free agent market in Rendon and Strasburg, pitcher and a bat. And it's like, look, if if this is a one and done thing for the Nationals. They're going to let both of those guys go, but they prove to their fans, they prove to other teams in their city, they're serious and they're in it for the long haul, so they brought Strasburg back at a record contract. And I think that's the biggest one out of the, this list here is, is the Nationals proving to everyone, you know, we're not just going to come out, win a World Series and disappear. We're going to try and do this for the next few years. So uh, that was definitely big. They're probably going to lose Rendon. And I think they do need to bring one or two more bats back. But Juan Soto and Steven Strasburg for the next however many years, that is a, a good sign for the Nationals moving forward. Seven, what about you? So, like, the Stras- and Matt, I, I kind of agree with you, but the Strasburg thing for me, I, I felt like he was going to resign with Washington all along. Um, and, and I had no crystal ball, but I just I thought, like, there's no way this guy is going to move on. Uh, he had so much success with the team. He was the MVP of the Nationals World Series run. So I just saw that one kind of come to fruition. But I think the biggest surprise for me is Didi to the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies did not have a need at middle infield on paper because they had Segura at short. They had Kingery at second. I thought their biggest need was to keep adding to their pitching, regardless of starting pitching or relief pitching. I don't think Didi was something they needed. I think it's a great get. I just don't know how he really fits. I guess from the projected lineup, you put Segura at third, Kingery at second, and Didi at short. But you still have a lot of holes in that bullpen, and you still have a lot of holes in that rotation because I don't think Zach Wheeler 
is an ace by any means. I think he's a very good three, maybe a decent two at best. So I don't know if this moves the needle for them in terms of contending that much. But I like Didi. I think he's a good fit for the ballpark. It's small dimensions like Yankee Stadium. He's a pole hitter. We all know that. So he should be able to capitalize on that. He played for Girardi in the past, and he had a lot of success with Girardi. So on paper, I get the fit in terms of personality and the player profile. I just don't understand it from the depth chart around him and, and how this actually makes them that much better, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys both on those. Um, the other one that could the, the the Cole Hamels, not the signing, I think is a good move for Atlanta to go get him, but the price tag for Cole Hamels, $18 million, seems high. I was going to say it's kind of low. Really? To be honest. Yeah, I, I think Hamels pitched his balls off last year or this year. Um, He's 36, though. Yeah, but only one year. You know, it's. I, I think he could have got at least 20, maybe a little bit more with incentives. And maybe the deal has incentives in it, but I think 18 is a little low for a guy like Cole Hamels because he's shown that he can still compete. It's not like he's lost much. In fact, I think he got better this year than he had in the years past. So I, I thought this was a bargain deal for Atlanta. I think it's a little funny because they go for Hamels after the experiment with Keuchel didn't really work out in their favor. So they essentially go for another veteran in the same mold as Hamels, not overpowering, off-speed pitcher, has had a lot of success in the NL, so and that division as well when he was with the Phillies. So I, I see this as just a very repetitive move for them, but I like the I like the bargain they got for him. In my opinion, I think it's a cheap price tag. Matty P, what do you what do you think here? Uh, I don't know, man. There's certain pitchers in baseball who, as they get older, get better for some reason. And you know, Verlander and and I guess Hamels, based off last year's numbers, could make a case for that. He did have a good year and. Uh, I, I think they paid right around where they should pay for him for a one-year deal. I do like the move by Atlanta. Um, I like Hamels better than Keuchel. Um, to, you know, as Seven said, that didn't work out last year for them. So I'm okay with it. I think 18's right around what they should have spent. I wouldn't have spent any more on them, though. I, I See, I'll, I'll be straight with you guys. I don't see the, the, the good year that you guys. He went 7-7, seven seven, a 3 eight, one ERA in 140 innings, 27 starts. Uh, a FIP north of four, a whip north of one three, nine hits per nine, and, and strikeout per nine. Strikeout per nine was up from from past season. Hasn't been an all star since twenty sixteen. Baseball reference projects him going eight and eight next year with a four one four over hundred fifty innings. And that's with according it's to them seventy seven percent. Number three. Yeah, four I mean uh, especially in the yeah. AL too. And I think that's that's where the value comes in because that's the thing with a guy like Hamels. Yeah, and I didn't know the stats were that mediocre, I guess. But the strikeouts, I, I think, is what I was locked on. But when you have a guy like Cole Hamels as your number four or maybe number five, depending on the team, and I'm sure he's going to be number four in Atlanta, if he can still kind of reach back and grab some of that vintage Cole Hamels, then you got yourself a good pitcher. And Absolutely. to have him occupying any part of that rotation that's bottom tier, I think that's just that's an advantage because you have a veteran and they have a lot of young players on that team, especially the pitching staff. So I think this is, does nothing but help them move the needle a little bit. I think this is the biggest value signing for a team 
that I've seen at least through the, through the offseason. And I'm, that's not to say anything about Strasburg not going back to the Nationals isn't value. That's definitely value. But I think for the team, for what they needed, this is like a perfect fit for them, for the Braves at least, getting Hamels. I think it is okay, too. Okay, so, so to, to your point, you were saying he probably wouldn't have paid him that much. Um, but for this this particular rotation where you got Soraka, Freed, probably Fulton Nevitz, and and now you got Hamels. I mean, that's a heck of a one through four. And then whoever they bring in as the five, I mean, that's pretty solid. So maybe they, they may have overpaid just a little bit, but it was a good move to bring him in. So so maybe that's kind of how I'm, I'm not – maybe I'm not fra- framing this right in my mind. I'm looking at uh, Hamels as Hamels of old where you're bringing him in to maybe be your number one or your number two. I'm not looking at him as that four. So maybe so maybe that's where I'm a, where I'm a little jaded. Um, so so I'll, I'll I'll get on board with it a little bit, but I still think 18 is a high price tag. Uh, Granted, any I, other... I, I do I do agree with that, Tommy, because like 18 is a high price tag for a four starter. I'm not disagreeing with right. you on that, but I I think the value to get a guy like Hamels and if you can plug him in because that's that more fits the team need than anything He's else. He's experienced. Right? Because... I mean. There's a lot yeah, of and he's a veteran presence for some of those younger guys in that locker room. Yeah, that's and, added and that, value. I think that's the biggest that's the biggest takeaway because you get a guy that it's it's essentially like what the Yankees did with Sabathia for the last few years. And I mean, not to say that he was bringing along like a young crop of pitchers, but he was a stabilizing presence, and he might not have had great years, but he gave you innings and he gave you good starts. So, I mean, there's that. Again, he was getting paid a similar price tag. I felt like so. I'm okay with the signing. I think it fits the, the the Braves' needs a lot more than some of the other signings we've seen. That's also also probably a lot of my my jadedness from these free agent <laughs> signings comes from being a fan of a team that thinks a twenty million dollar contract like is like we just fucking broke into Fort Knox and spent and spent <laughs> on Edwin Encarnacion. Um, <laughs> all right. What do you guys think is the next chip to drop? Still, some a, a good amount of names on the out there. Who do you guys see being the next big name to 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 come up? So for me, I think the next big name is going to be Garrett Cole, and I, I'm I'm expecting the signing to be done before the winter meetings end. Um, so like in the next two days after this recording, probably be like Wednesday or Thursday. I expect him to sign pretty quick because. I think what he was waiting for was Strasburg to sign first, and that happened. We saw he got the record deal. Garrett Cole is going to command north of $300 million, and for a pitcher that is uncharted territory, um, I don't know if he's worth it, but I understand how markets change, and when there's a need and uh, there's a bunch of teams fighting for his services, I predict that he's going to get between 315 to $320 million when it's all said and done, probably eight or nine years and I think he's going to be the next one to fall. So that when I look at the the top free agents left, Cole is definitely the best one. And I think he's going to he's going to sign quick. I don't think he wants to be in a position like Harper or Machado where you drag this out to the point where you're just getting ready for spring training. I think Cole is a little bit more level headed in that sense where he just wants to get a team, get it over with and then work around that and get better. And I think. For my money, I'm betting on Cole to side next. I couldn't agree more. I, like that. I think it'll happen before Christmas. I like that a lot. Um, all right, so so since you guys think Cole's the, the next big name, let's dive in on on, on Cole a little bit. Uh, right now, 
Yankees are, are one of the biggest teams being thrown around. Angels are also in there. But then two mystery teams. First of all, I, I'm, I'm over the whole idea of mystery teams as a whole. I hate mystery teams. <laughs> I fucking hate them. And I, I got a theory. I don't think there are mystery teams. I think oh? I think this is Scott Boris, and he's he's a very successful agent. This is him trying to outbid Drive himself. Drive the price tag up. Yeah, just keep keep it going, keep climbing it. We're, we're not a job lot anymore. We're we're going to Nordstrom and not the rack. We're trying to That's get brilliant. more bang for our buck. And it's easy for Boris to hold a presser and say, "Yeah, you know, I heard from two more teams today that uh, they have aggressive offers." If you don't name the teams, they're not real. They're fucking mysteries for a reason. He is. What I want to hear, and he is brilliant. He, I mean, he got Strasburg that deal. Who's to say he's not going to get fucking Cole? You know, three hundred twenty-five million over nine years, and I think it's going to happen. Yep. But the only teams that we've heard concrete so far with an actual chance have been the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Angels. We've seen bullshit thrown around. Like, I saw the Giants beat writer wrote, oh, this would be a great fit for Garrett Cole. Buddy, everyone's saying that shit. And when it comes down to it, it's about hard money. And we have the Yankees, the Dodgers, as actual two teams that can give him the hard money. The Angels are a little hamstrung based on their payroll, the contracts they have set up with Pools, Trout, Otani. There's a lot that they have to work around to make sure that this happens. I think it's going to be the Dodgers or the Yankees. I don't see the Angels as a huge threat. And maybe I'm completely wrong. Because knowing my luck, he's going to sign with the Angels now. But I feel like it's going to be between the Yankees and the Dodgers. The mystery teams, that's just to knock his price up a little bit more. Are the so Yankees the and the Dodgers, I've... are they the two teams with pro- that probably have the most money to throw it at free agents? Well, I, I, know, I would assume so. I, I know just from, from reading the Yankees stuff, because Steinbrenner basically said, like, we'll give him a blank check. We don't give a fuck. Because they, they, they just don't give a shit. They just want him. And if you want a player that bad and you don't have financial restrictions, because I understand the whole thing with the luxury tax, you hit the first, second, third gate of luxury tax. They're going to go over it at one point. I don't know how far they're going to get into it, but they're definitely going to hit it. At that point, it's like, fuck it. I mean, the Yankees are an international brand. They have more money than they know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Who fucking cares? Like, you're paying the luxury tax anyway. You might as well just sign him for what he wants. That's my thoughts on it. Because at this point, it's, I mean, it's do or die. If you don't get, if you don't get Cole, then you're fucked because you just lost Didi. You just, you're about to trade J-Hap. Not that he's great, but he got, he got, gave Yanning. So there's one thing about him, I guess. You're going to lose Batances. You might, I, I think they're going to get Brett Gardner back, but this team is going to be radically different regardless. So you have to <laughs> make sure that you're getting better at a position that you need to get better at, which is starting pitching. And Cole at, is the best one there, so just fucking sign him. At least they're getting Brett Gardner back, though. Of course, yeah. Well, we need <laughs> let Brett bang. We just need him hitting That's the awesome. fucking ceiling of the dugout, putting dents in the wall. He's the, he's the type of guy we need. Brett oh, fucking Gardner. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Brett Gardner. What? Uh, so I've I've heard rumor that the Astros could be one of these mystery teams. How likely do you guys think that is? Of course they are. 
That it shouldn't be a mystery. They had him last year, and they saw what he did right before their eyes. Of course it is. I think they have bigger issues to worry about, like how the fuck they're going to get out of this bang-in-the-bucket shit, because they may not have their coach for the first however many games of the season. So, you know, yes, they should be in on Cole. I would expect them to be, but at the same time, I think they got bigger concerns. They have big concerns, and... My whole thing with the Astros being in on him, I don't know if they are because this payroll is pretty high. And the other part of that is if the Astros really wanted him and and maybe they do. I'm sure they do. Every team wants him. Of course they do. Yeah. I think the thing is if the Astros were serious, they would have given him a qualifying offer to save themselves if he, when and if he signed somewhere else. I just like I don't understand the logic because you get draft compensation when and if he signs somewhere else. So whether he goes to the Yankees or the Dodgers or whoever the fuck he goes to, you get a first-round pick because he's the best free agent available. So I just don't think the Astros... And, Maddie, you kind of laid it out. The Astros have a lot of shit they're dealing with right now, and it's not around free agency because they have to deal with how they're going to hide the whole story with Oscar the Grouch banging the fucking trash can on Sesame Street, (laughs) a.k.a. their clubhouse. So I don't know if this is going to work out. But they have their priorities mixed up. I get it. The only team I see, and and this is like my mystery team, and maybe this is actually corroborating the story that I just shit on, but I can see the Rangers making a huge play for Cole if there's going to be any mystery team. And, And the reason I say that, getting a new ballpark, they were flirting with Rendon, they're looking at getting that wow factor to get people to go to the ballpark. If you get Cole, who just pitched in Houston the last couple of seasons, to defect over to Texas, pitch in Arlington, I think that's just that's a perfect storyline for them to sell, and that's a great fix for their rotation anyway. Because I feel like Texas, for as good as they can hit, they've always had issues with starting pitching. We've never seen the Texas Rangers have a good rotation. Getting Cole would change a lot of that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're completely discounting the rotation of Derek Holland C.J. Wilson, <laughs> among others. Mike Miner? <laughs> among others, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike Miner. And Meyer. other guys who threw baseballs. Lance Lynn. Uh, God, I got to look else? at I've had an unhealthy fascination with these Ranger teams on this podcast. I think it's like the third time I've looked up these Ron Washington Rangers. <laughs> well, let me tell you, you're talking about they want people to go to the ballpark. If I can endorse that area at all, it is a great time over there. So I would like to encourage people to go check out that area because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna double down on that because because that is a really cool area. Texas Live is electric. Oh, um, my goodness. And, and uh, just the area surrounding that ballpark. Speaking of that, though, how cool slash late, like, what did you guys think of Joey Gallo taking BP in the unfinished ballpark? Yeah. I thought it was kind of like a, a hard-o move. I was going to say, uh, so it, we, we had this discussion regarding the Russell Wilson mic'd up. Cool or corny? Corny. Ooh, that, might, that might be a new segment. Yeah, I'll give you Ooh. corny. <laughs> That's a cool segment I like right that. there. Yeah. Cool or might, corny, I like that. Might be a new segment alert. Uh, cool or corny. Um, all right, let's also go. Let's <laughs> piggyback on cool or corny. The Rangers' <laughs> new uniforms. Uh Corny. I'm going to say corny. Oh, seven. We're going to fight. Well, we, we don't get along on logos and everything else, so you know I would that. like yeah. to see that fight, but I, I like them. <laughs> I'm down with them. 
<laughs> um, I like him a lot. I'm gonna go on there. I'm gonna go on record and say you'd probably kick my ass. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Not oh, in my the, state right now. I mean, He's a New Yorker. Right of course, he'll kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> but also this this 2011 rotation: C.J. Wilson, Colby Lewis. Derek Holland, Matt Harrison, Alexia Gondo, and you have the Matt balls Harrison. to say this team doesn't have any pitching. <laughs> You're right. How could I overlook CJ Wilson, the guy that lasted all but four years in the fucking league? <laughs> uh, counterpoint, uh, he had a sub three ERA and two hundred strikeouts in twenty eleven. Yeah, that was that was his that's his crowning achievement right there. It's claiming the fame end, right there. End of career. Yeah. So I don't know if C.J. Wilson's what I want to hang my hat on as a great Texas rotation. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when they – did they have Edison Volquez in the rotation? Was it last year or the year before? He was there last like, year. He signed okay, the baseball I, for me. Oh, did he? Yeah, he's the man. Oh, okay. Well, I was about to shit on him, but I'll walk the dog <laughs> I back fucking love one. Edison Volquez. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Wait, no, go ahead. Shit on him. Why don't you like him? No, because I just think he's he's fucking terrible. Like (laughs) he's he's the worst type of pitcher. He's a sinker baller that can't keep the ball down. Like he gives up he gives up more fucking home runs. He's just not good. He's he's bad at his job. Like he is bad at his job. His job is to eat innings and keep the ball on the ground, and he doesn't either. I mean, he's he's a little later in his in his career, but he's had some, he's had some good seasons. Don't you know? <laughs> Come on. Uh, yeah, all right. When he was with the Reds, he had like two good, one and a half good years. Two. I'll good give years. him that. One and a half. <laughs> There's a reason that he left. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's fucking great. Uh, all right, boys. Uh, you guys got anything else? The only current call I have. And Tommy, this oh, is for you. We're getting and a curtain me. call. I love giving, it. Yeah, I'm giving a quick curtain call. You and I are going to sound like we're our normal selves by the next episode. And we have a big interview coming. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We won't sound like we have one foot in the grave. And uh, we are truly just coming in, clutch moments. This train does not stop. We are here to give you great content. And I'm pretty sure I'm spiking a fever. So I'll let you guys take another curtain call if you want. Maddie P, you got one? Um, I just heard today that the Tampa Bay Rays are in on Dylan Batantis. I'm going to butch that, butcher Ooh. that one. Dylan Batantis. So I'm keeping an eye on that, dude. I think that I might that be too, a, a I, nice pickup for them. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't pickup. hate that. Would not hate that. Um, Counterpoint, though, Batantis probably going to miss most of next year because he tore his Achilles. The Rays still love wouldn't to be a bad pickup, people. though. No, it wouldn't be a bad pickup, but the Rays love to pick up guys who aren't ready to start playing again <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why. but Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad signing. I love Dylan. I wish he would come back to New York, but can't have everything you want. Yep. All right, my Purton call. I say Purton call. Holy cow. Fear uh, spike those nights. Curtain call. Um, I actually saw it as I was doing some of the research here uh, throughout the episode. Whip Merrifield allegedly being shopped by the Royals. What? Linked to the Padres. That makes so much sense. Wow. Um, per source. But here, per source. But here is <laughs> the, uh, the 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 curtain call. 
because fuck those boys in San Diego. The Indians are going to swoop in, Ooh. sell the sell the wow. farm for Merrifield, and then turn around and deal Lindor and build on Merrifield. And that is as hot as a take as Seven's fever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am down with the sickness, so that's a hot take. Nice. Oh, we're we're all a little down with the sickness right now. Uh, yeah. So next week, seven teased it. Interview coming. Ten stadiums in ten days. Brian will be joining us, and, and that will be fun. Uh, cancer survivor, awesome story, awesome charity, and and it's gonna be really really fun to talk to him. Can't wait. Also coming in the coming weeks is at Tweet Ballgame. Uh, we'll be joined by Lou as as he breaks down uh, what exactly he is, what he's about. If you haven't followed, uh, go ahead and give him a follow um, and, and get your ratings and get in on his fun. And then follow uh, Brian's Twitter's at 10, or Stadiums 10, right? Spelled out? Yep, Stadiums yep. 10 spelled out. So Stadiums 10, at Tweet Ballgame, and at the underscore breakdown. Uh, you'll have to check us out next week for first seven for Matty P. Uh, actually, no, for for the sick boys for Tommy C. and 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 Real Seven Costanza and and over there down south, Matty P. We'll talk to you next week. We're out of here. See ya. Oh, ah, ah, ah. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness.